Hello, I'm Phil Svitek, 360 Creative Coach, and welcome to my blog, where it is both my mission and my pleasure to highlight my creative journey in hopes of giving you inspiration, as well as practical takeaway to make your journey at least a little bit easier. Now, as I always do, I would love to invite you to subscribe if you haven't already. That way you get all the various lessons and episodes uh, right when I put them out. Thank you if you just did, and thank you if you already were. It truly does mean a lot to me, as I hope it does to you. Now, when I think about kind of this past week and the relative state of the world, I go to that Charles Dickens quote that uh, goes, it was the best of times, it was the worst of times. And that's from A Tale of Two Cities, and it was applicable then, and it is applicable today, and it's pretty much going to be applicable forever, right, because of the dual nature of things, and that's what I'm going to kind of talk about. When I talk about the dual nature of things, I mean, there's a lot to celebrate and there's a lot of stuff to bring you down, right? And I know that's not exclusive to me. That is something I'm sure we all feel in various capacities. But let's kind of weave through this and start with the positives, at the top, I always open up my vlogs with, you know, subscribe and stuff like that. And on my YouTube channel, I have reached the milestone of a thousand subscribers, which is huge. Thank you very much if you're one of those people. Now, I also understand there's various ways to consume the stuff that I put out, right? These lessons and tidbits and whatnot, right? You can listen to it as an audio podcast. You can watch it on Spotify. It's available on Vimeo, uh, Facebook. So, you know, sometimes if they're short enough episodes, I put them up on Instagram or TikTok and all that. So regardless of where you're consuming, it's all good. You know, consume that way. I don't have a preference as long as you enjoy it and you get what you came here for. But I will say... You know, I, I do want, like, it's it's big when you reach these various milestones in any capacity. This one just happens to be YouTube. And the reason that's a big milestone is because the YouTube partner program, one of the requirements is to have a 1,000 subscribers. And then there's kind of other ones that they, you know, they, they change various ones. But the other one is, like, watch hours and things of that nature. And... Getting past the threshold of 1,000 subscribers allows me to be one step closer to that YouTube partner program. And all it really means is that I get to participate in the revenue of their ads. Now, ads still play against videos that I put up and anyone else that puts up that's not a part of it, you know, and we don't really get choice on that matter, which is kind of odd when you really think about it. Um, now, part of it is that they don't want to be cutting checks for like literally fractions of cents sometimes. So reaching that 1000 uh, subscriber threshold as well as watch time kind of guarantees that there's a there's a minimum in order for for them to pay you out. So, you know, <laughs> pennies on the dollar eventually will be coming my way. And for that, I truly do thank you and uh, you know, continue spreading the word. It, it does mean a lot and it, uh, because it means that what I'm trying to build is growing, you know, and the whole reason for that growth is 
I want to help you, right? And if, if it's growing, that means that this message is resonating with more people. And I say that as if it's a singular message, of course. Each episode is different and, and, and shares n- new and, you know, varying ideas and perspectives and things of that nature. But all the same, that's, that's really cool that on YouTube, there's a thousand of you that find this worthwhile. And of course, you know, the numbers vary in different capacities. You know, on, on Instagram, I have a little bit over a thousand followers and blah, blah, blah. Uh, Twitter, I actually used to have the most followers at like 5,000. Now it's gone down because the platform's just odd. Um, things of that nature. So, you know, all, that, all, all, all in all, thank you for being part of the community. I hope you know with any lesson that I put out that I really want you to be a part of it, right? I, I try to aim to teach, also start a discussion, give you specific nuggets, but I love the feedback. I love the interaction. And I know like it's odd to say that when it's just kind of like me speaking directly to the camera most times. But when you guys do comment in whatever capacity that you do, that's what I love, you know? Uh, and, and especially if like you're confused by something or, you know, disagree with something or perhaps agree and want to add on to it. And that's all great. I love that stuff. So continue that. And I, I love it because we're helping each other out. That's the ultimate goal. So continuing on this uh, optimistic train of, of good things. So, you know, the, the theme of this past couple of weeks has been that I've been re-outlining my script in order to revise it. And I've talked about that ad nauseum. And, you know, I started the outline process for this version of the story on September 8th. So we're pretty much a month into that revision of just an outline. Now that might sound crazy, but not that it's written like this, but page count wise, I mean, this could be a novella. It's right now about 56 pages. So this past week I wrote about um, four, maybe five pages. If you kind of round up, um, because I revised some other stuff from last week, it's more like six pages of revision as well as new additive stuff. And so that's crazy, right? And uh, as I say, I mean, lengthwise, it could be a novella. It's not written in that way because it's more like bulleted points of, you know, here's what happens, here's what happens, here's what happens, blah, blah, blah. So it's not structured like a novella. And based on the original outline that I had created to then write the script, which I'm now revising in an outline form, I have three more like outline pages to go from the original outline. So that's actually quite a bit, but they're pretty detailed. So, you know, I think I can, now it becomes a little bit more of a revision process. Because basically a lot of what wasn't working in the script itself was more so in like the middle chunk slash the two thirds chunk. And I always knew where I needed the story to get to, but it was how it got there that would uh, 
elude me and kind of the wheels were wobbly. Now I think things are strengthened. And so, of course, in order to be consistent, it requires that finessing to make sure that everything aligns with what comes before it as part of this new outline. But the majority, I would say like 80 to 85% of what is in that original outline, those three pages, can be relatively easily translated to, to this new thing. And so, um, you know, that's going to be my aim this week is to do that and get this over the finish line, which continues to be the goal every week. But I continue making progress and that's all one can ask for, or at least that's, that's what I can ask for. And, you know, I'm blessed where I don't have those deadlines, so it's okay. But it's fascinating to really look back on that journey and, and even just the idea that like each week I, you know, do this vlog and I, and I say like, it's my intention to finish this draft, blah, blah, blah. When in the reality of it, Yes, this marks the one-month anniversary of it. But when I look at the result of that one month, yes, I would love to have gotten here faster, you know, in one week, two weeks. But the result of it is very strong. It doesn't mean that there's not going to be changes. I mean, first off, it ha- that, that this outline has to then be, you know, redone as an actual script because, you know, the outline is not the final form. The, the outline is a tool for which I can then write the script. Now, part of why it's taken so long and it's, and it's you know, well over 50 pages at this point is because I'm putting in that level of detail so that way when I do write the script, it's easy. And so it's, you know, the lesson is to have grace with yourself in that capacity and just, just allow things to be. The other priority that I've been talking about is my website revamp, the redesign of my website. And just to catch you up, you know, years ago I'd made the philcvtech.com website and that worked then. But that's also before I had any of my own projects out in the world. Now I do. And so how I want to be viewed and, you know, what I want to showcase has changed. And so I want the website to reflect that. And so, you know, where I'm at with that journey, if, and especially if you've been following, you know, I've been putting up tutorials and things like that. So you get a first look of how it all works and how you can apply the process for yourself. You know, I'm at the stage where I'm giving feedback to the developer. So I made the website or I outlined the website and then I put all the content itself into the website and then I've given it to the developer to give it a visual flair to make it function. And now we're kind of reaching more or less the final stages of everything. And part of the final stages is to get rid of placeholders. So placeholder images, especially. Now, the developer could have done that at any moment, but he was waiting on me specifically because I need to provide those images. 
And I've been planning to do a photo shoot and, uh, you know, I was thinking about doing it with my friend Khalil Abdelrahim or Marissa Serafini. Both are great, you know, collaborators of mine. And just, it was just effort to try to coordinate um, on both our parts. I mean, we would have definitely made it work, but, um, you know, I didn't want to feel like I'm adding a chore to their workload. Um, and even for me, I knew it was needed. But, you know, coordinating it felt a little overwhelming and stuff like that. And then something just overtook me. I was like, you know what? Photoshop nowadays is so good that let me just take photos in my apartment. And, you know, I, I can do it myself, essentially, right? I'll swap outfits, and it'll go pretty fast, right? And I have a good camera, it has a self-timer. So, like, I can knock this out, or at least make an attempt at this on my own fairly well. Now, there's a couple of pictures that I would love to have gotten. Um, like, for example, you know, for the page that showcases my books, I would have loved something in a library or one of my favorite bookstores. But, you know, the f fun part is I have enough pictures of the past that I can make it work. Now, for example, with that picture, it's not the most high quality, but, but it was doable, right? So, you know, there's certain ones that, like I went through my library of photos and I was like, okay, what can I already pull to make this work? And what are the photos that I'm missing that I need to get, right? And so I focused on then, here's my list of, of ones that I need to, to photograph. So let me, let me get those. And though I have a green screen that I could literally put up and it's not a lot of work, I just, I don't know, I, I was just so lazy that I just literally shot kind of against this type of backdrop or sometimes just a plain white wall and stuff like that because Photoshop just has this amazing feature where it just selects the subject and it can cut you out, you know, it can cut out the background quite easily and you could place in whatever you want. So I, I really just did it in the laziest way of, of, of that where regardless of what was behind me, I just took the photo and, you know, granted you have to have a high enough quality picture, there has to be some distinction, right? Like if I was wearing a black t-shirt and the black background was black and there wasn't a lot of separation, then, you know, Photoshop's not perfect. It's not gonna be able to know all of that. But for the most part, I knew what I need to look out for where I could be that lazy and it, and it worked. And so for a few hours, I literally just kind of set up the camera, took these photos and was done with it, right? So, I'm glad I did that. Like, ultimately, it was one more thing off the plate, but it, it looked good. And, you know, as time goes by, I'll update those photos and things like that. And in some capacity, I could have definitely used older photos for those moments. Like, there were some ones that I found that I was like, it's not perfect, but it could work. But the reason I didn't want to do that and took, you know, was always aiming for newer photos was because some of those photos are like four or five, sometimes six, maybe even seven years old. 
right? And I want the website to be more of a reflection of who I am today, visually as well, right? So to see my, 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 my face today and what I'm doing today as opposed to what, what Phil was doing years ago. So, um, but, uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm excited for that and it gets me one step closer to the website. You know, we'll see. I think by the end of this week, we'll, we'll be certainly close to being done, if not all the way done. Uh, the thing that, the, the, the last bit of it, as I'll highlight in, you know, a tutorial, is just the functionality of making sure everything works. So making sure all the, all the, all the buttons are linked to where they need to go, you know, that if there's a payment checkout, that works correctly. If there's a calendar scheduling thing, that works. So that's going to be the last and final step of all of this um, once we fully polish up the visual aspects, which we're close on. So then the other thing that um, I split my time with this week was working on a sizzle reel for myself, which I had highlighted last episode that I wanted to just you know, this, this is something that's been on the back burner for, for years at this point, because it's not like for me, creatively, it's not the sexiest project, even though it actually has the most yield in terms of what I'm trying to do. But finally, I'm like, you know what, it's, it's time to, you know, just, just get it done and stuff like that. And so this week really to begin it was a lot of organization, right? Whenever I start an editing project, especially when it's more docu-style, which this kind of is, I have to make sure that I have what I need so I can so I can edit at the speed of thought. And part of that was, which is atypical for me, but I had all these photos and videos from my phone that for the past year, Basically, I, I just kept putting in a folder that was like, to be organized, to be organized. With every intention of getting to it, but just, you know, life and my laziness kept, uh, kept winning out. But finally, in order for me to do the sizzle reel, I could have done it without it, but I, it was just like, you know what, uh, enough's enough. I know I need to like organize and, and, and pull clips that I need and pictures to make this happen. So let me just do the first step and just organize everything. And it's great to, again, get another thing off my plate in that way um, and have these small victories ultimately. And by doing that, I was also able to find all these amazing gems that I could then just note and put into Adobe Premiere, which is what I'm using to edit. And just get through the first step of all this, you know? And once, I mean, step one for me is organization. Step two is, okay, pull in those clips into the edit software. Step three is start trimming down what you have, you know, start, start, what are the highlight bits of each piece of content? You know, whether it's soundbite, whether it's a visual and start categorizing it so you can refer back to it. And in your mind, you can start to know what are patterns, what do I have a lot of, what am I missing? So that way you can start to craft the story. And obviously I know what the story 
that I want to tell. It's my journey and, and what I'm doing and who I am and what my values are, that sort of thing. But all the same, you know, knowing what I have to support that versus what I know I'll ultimately need to record, if nothing else, voiceover for this to make it work and string this along, or if not voiceover, then, then create title slides or whatever it may be. But I'm excited by the progress. And furthermore, as I noted just a little bit ago, there are these various hidden gems that I was able to find, and as I'm looking at it, I can post those as standalone content, right? You know, just these great sound bites of people saying nice things about me, I mean, quite frankly, and, and whatnot. So why not just use that as a promotional tool? So it doesn't just have to be for this one thing. You know, I can start to look at it. How do I recycle this? And to other, you know, videos, sound bites, and so forth. And in fact, I had met with a few of my friends for happy hour this week, and they were talking about like, hey, you really need to kind of self-promote more. And I hate that idea ultimately because for me, I don't want to self Like if anything, my, my aim is to always bring value with whatever I do. So like I'd much rather do that than be like, hey, look at me, look at me. But I also understand the necessity of that. And it's also, I mean, it's why I'm redoing my website because I understand. But, you know, there's ways that translates easily into other facets. So, you know, for me, I had this template that I had made a bit ago. Kind of a parody of Marvel, right? Where they have their timeline of projects. And I, I had just kind of wanted to do my own, right, version of it. And it came out pretty clean and stuff like that. And so it's a good template that I built. And so I was like, okay, well, let me just, you know, I can hot swap other stuff in there. And so I was like, okay, because the, the one thing that my friends were harping on was nobody knows what you do in terms of all the major shows that you work with. And part of that's by, not, I mean, I guess, yes, it is by design because I, I like, that's my work work. And if anything else, I'd rather be known for my stuff and whatnot. And as far as the work that I do on that stuff, it informs the lessons that I'm able to teach, right? And so I, if it's relevant, then I, then I share it as such within these episodes. But I understand, you know, um, there is kind of a curiosity factor. And so, I, I you know, I, it was... In, I, I thought of it in that way of like, you know, people ask me all the time, like, what do I actually do? And it's kind of something I'm curious with most people in general. Like in, in, in LA, you see these little snippets of people's highlights, but is, is that what they do full time? Like, how do they make their money and stuff like that? And so I just kind of framed it like that and made a little like square image that I could post on Instagram, on Twitter, LinkedIn, and so forth. And then I got, that got a good response. You know, people were like, wow, wow, I, di I didn't really know that you did that. And so they gravitated towards it. it. 
you know, there were some good comments and stuff like that. So it's great. And, you know, it just got my mind to thinking, well, let me, you know, the template itself is already built. So might as well just utilize this for other stuff more and more and then create a carousel on Instagram, for example, so people can go through and see like, oh, wow, this is, this is all the stuff that, you know, fills about. And I think when you look at it like that, you can do it too. And, you know, over time you can build something quite great. Like, you know, I started off with this silly template that I made for myself because I just wanted to, yeah, <laughs> you know, essentially like I wanted to mimic Marvel initially, but then the template took on a life its own and changed enough and stuff like that where I wasn't ripping off Marvel exactly. And by the way, I mean, it's every presentation in the world. So, not literally, but you get what I'm saying. So it's clean, right? And, and it works. So I'm glad I did that. And you can apply that same methodology for yourself. Now, going back to my script, um, which by the way, the, the, the story right now is called The Arbiters. And... As is usual for me, I was listening to the Team Deacons podcast, and I've linked to the specific episode itself, but the founder of The Blacklist was actually on there. And I'd always heard of The Blacklist and had a lot of respect for The Blacklist, but I didn't know too much about it, if I'm being honest, not, not in the capacity of everything that they do. And so to hear the founder of The Beginnings, because I assumed that The Blacklist was around for far longer, when in fact, it hasn't been around that long Certainly, you know, I mean, I understand even film as a medium isn't that old in relative terms to, let's say, painting or music. And the blacklist is certainly even shorter than that. So that was amazing to learn. And more so about their mission, how they operate, what they do. And they actually take film script submissions. So I'm like, well, damn. Maybe I should submit The Arbiters, right? And then it got me thinking, okay, well, which I always knew that once the script was done and polished, that I would submit to places like South by Southwest, Austin Film Festival, the Nichols competition, Screencraft. But I was like, okay, well, now, you know, now let me like, if nothing else, these have been on my mind. So let me just form a list of all this so I, I, I can have a running list when that time comes so I know where to submit. So right now, this is kind of my list, and I'll do research when the time comes of what other places are respected and you know can get readers onto this script and, and more so people that are movers and shakers and can help the project along. So if I'm missing any, let me know. You know, I'm, I'm sure I am. I haven't done a comprehensive list, but all the same, the blacklist itself is a fantastic organization and... I'm really wowed by everything that they do. So, yeah. As I said, I've linked to the episode itself. So, you know, listen to it firsthand. You will learn a lot. I certainly did. Shifting gears, I have to say, the written form has become sort of a favorite medium of mine. Just in this past couple of weeks. Like, if, if I could, I would love to just... You know, sit at my computer, not have to turn on the camera, not have to go then edit this stuff and upload it. 
Like, it's just really fun for me to sit at my computer and draft these ideas and put them out into the world. Which is also why I have started a Substack newsletter. I mean, I wanted to get on Substack and I was, you know, initially going to just create something simple. But as I got to thinking about it, I was like, I can really bring some good value, excuse me, and do it in a way where it's not, like, of course it pulls from various stuff, but, 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 but sharing in a different way, adding to it, you know, having creative exercises, things of that nature. And it's just different, right? Like, it's a different audience. And there's just a different effort that goes into it, which I truly appreciate. I mean, it's why I, I write books to begin with, whether fiction or nonfiction. You know, as, lo- as much as I love visual storytelling, you know, that requires, a, you know, even just this requires a lot, you know? Getting dressed, turning on the lights, and, and I know it's minimal in the grand scheme of things to be able to output an episode like this and, and share it with the world. Like, it's truly amazing where we are in today's day and age. But writing, not that it's easier by any stretch of the imagination, it's its own separate thing, and you have to, you know, study it and practice it. But I've been doing that, and so for a number of years, right? And now I just enjoy it, right? And I think it speaks to this idea that we all have to find, you know, we, we all have to find the thing we enjoy creatively, which can evolve over time. You know, nothing says that if you're a painter that you have to stick with painting your whole life. Maybe all of a sudden, uh, maybe you like pencil sketching or going a different route entirely and, and writing some music. I don't know, right? All that is available to you. It's a, it's up to you ultimately. And so, and it doesn't mean you can't return to that first love. Like I do all of this stuff because I enjoy it. It fuels me. Something, uh, going back to the blacklist idea, um, Frank Leonard is the name of the founder, by the way. He was talking on the podcast and, you know, they were talking about what makes good scripts, right? You know, this ties in with the writing. That's why, that's why I just thought of it. But they were saying when it comes to good screenwriting, plot and character are essentially synonymous. You know, uh, the plot, of course, needs to move forward, but the plot needs to move forward where the actions of the characters are motivated and not out of character. And that just kind of made me think of like, well, what would a story be like, whether, you know, in the written form or as a movie, probably a short movie, uh, what would that look like if you just explored literally like a character, the main character just does stuff that's out of character. And I don't know if it requires it to be a postmodern thing or whatnot, And I haven't really thought about it beyond that, literally, because that's a whole separate you know, rabbit hole that I don't want to go down. But all the same, I, you know, I just thought, like, 
if I had all the time in the world, these are the types of things that I would love to just explore creatively for myself. And I share that openly with you because maybe that's an idea you want to tackle and run with. You know, explore it as a short story, as a, as a short film, whatever. You know, maybe as a small piece of music. I don't know, maybe as a poem. Go have fun with it if it resonates with you. But I, I just thought of it. Like, how, how would you justify narratively a character that's out of character? All right, that'd be fun. Speaking of fun as well, you know, I'm on this kick of just revisiting movies that I grew up with, but for the most part haven't seen in the theater. So I talked about The Matrix before. Uh, this week, it was Hocus Pocus, which is a movie I'd grown up with, same as most millennials. Seen it probably well over 100 times, but never in the theater. And they're, you know, because it's the 30-year anniversary, it's Halloween season, they, they're airing it in, in theaters. Now, the other aspect of why I'm also watching these movies is, quite frankly, is not much that is calling my name in the theaters. And my time's also limited, so if I'm going to go see, like, normally, even if it's not something that's, like, you know, just screaming my name, I'll go see it because I just love movies. But with responsibilities, you know, just the way they are currently, you know, my, I'm, I'm, my time's a little bit more limited and I try to pick and choose, you know. So, like, I saw the new Exorcist movie, Exorcist Believer. Didn't love that one. So, you know, for me, seeing movies that I've never seen in a theater is appealing, right? And Hocus Pocus is one of those movies. And it was an awesome experience. Seeing it on the big screen, it kind of does expose some of the pitfalls of it. It makes them more apparent, but still a great experience nonetheless. Though I do wish that there was a little bit more interaction with the movie. Like a midnight screening, for example, right? Where where people already... Like, it's... Wildly interesting to me how many people, like I would love to, to do a breakdown of how many people have like already seen the movie and can quote it nonstop versus like there definitely was some like kids in the audience that were like eight years old. And so for them it was the first time seeing it. And, and of course, you know, I appreciate that people were respectful and didn't want to ruin the movie for them. But I would also love just an experience where we can all just quote the movie out loud as, as, as it's happening. You know, that's an aspect that I do feel is missing for some of these movies. You know, like, let's, let's have the uh, talk at the screen screening <laughs> or something like that. So, um, yeah. That's, uh, that's been sort of my newer go-to thing, and I hope it... Yeah, I think it will continue, and it's amazing because there's plenty of movies that I've seen, but in my theater, and there's plenty of movies that I have never seen that, you know, I maybe wanted to get around to it. Like, for example, years ago or two years ago at this point, whatever it is, uh, they screened The Godfather. And that's awesome because, you know, that's a three-hour movie and, and to, like, watch it at home, yeah, you can kind of do it, but you're going to most likely end it end up breaking it up in chunks and blah, blah, blah. 
And to me, the theater is just a med meditative experience. So once my eyes are locked in there, you know, that's it. And it was a wonderful movie, right? I mean, it's a classic for a reason. And to see it in that format for my very first time was amazing. Same thing with like Old Boy recently I saw. So I like this trend. I like this trend a lot. The trend that I don't love was, you know, this week, I also made it a point to dive deeper into my finances. You know, thanks to the Financially Fit Foundation, which is an organization that I'm a board member of, our aim is to make people financially literate. And so, you know, the more I apply this stuff to my life, the more I understand you know, what we do and how we operate and how I can help and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, part of that first step of getting financially literate is, you know, is a big wake-up call to all the things that you're doing wrong and, and things of that nature. Now, I've already been kind of, I've been utilizing the method for a while, which is what allowed me to even make any of the stuff that I've made because I've been able to you know, budget out my money and, and time and stuff, stuff like that. But this year, it's just an interesting scenario where, you know, at the start of the year, I had made my budget based on my income from last year, and that's net income. But as I was talking with my friends, like, how do you budget? There's no way we could have predicted where gas prices would be today, the cost of groceries, and just, it feels like, there's just so many unexpected expenses. For me, part of that's medical, part of that's auto, like the amount of times I've had to fix my car this year uh, has been a lot, to say the least. And so, you know, in a lot of these categories, it's like, how do you, how do you budget better? How do you save, and, you know, and cost cut? When I look at it, like, I'm not, extravagant with my groceries I'm not driving everywhere like I really have made concessions and something's just not adding up so I, I really like took a deep dive into stuff and you know the thing of it is I'm like how much taxes are they taking out from me because at this point it's a lot you know, um, and I'm not going to lie, like, it, it's quite demoralizing to see that amount of money being taken out of your taxes, especially when, listen, whether or not, like, what the real truth of it all is, um, the sentiment certainly exists that, you know, rich people don't have to pay taxes, and, and for me, it's not like I'm making an extraordinary amount of money. But to see the amount of money that's just automatically going out that I will never see, it's disheartening. It is. And more so because where does it go? You know, in other countries, you get an itemized breakdown of exactly what your taxes are going to. And let's be honest, here in the U.S., most of it's probably going to the military. Now, I'm not saying, you know, that 
state and local taxes don't go to stuff. Sure, they do. And I'm not saying I don't like paying taxes. But I do think, uh, I certainly would love a bigger say in how those taxes are being spent. And I think it speaks to a larger issue, which I'll get to in a moment, of how just things are run. And that's not a blue or red state, blue city versus red state. Like, that's not what I'm talking about. It applies to both, which I'll get into. But it just feels like The, we keep thinking the solution is to just spend, 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 spend more. And then because all that stuff's taken out, it's like you yourself are trying to like be in this place where you earn more. And it's a necessity because, again, as I, like, I know I'm not the only one, you know, in my circle of friends and certainly in the, the larger context of the U.S., People feel the strain, you know, just for basic supplies. I mean, there's, there's a meme out there that said for Black Friday this year, you know, don't, don't put TVs on sales. We already have a big TV. Everyone's got a big TV, uh, you know, make a sale on groceries. And that's the place we're at. Like, it's really sad. And there's just an escalation of, of all of it. And so then you have to kind of, keep up by the basic law of it all in order to survive. And in a year where, if I'm being honest, like in terms of what I've been doing, just work-wise, I'm working more this year than I have in the past few years. I'm taking less, right? And that less also gets me less. I'm not saying it as a woe is me. I'm saying it because it's a lot of us. And it's painful and it sucks. And in a lot of ways, where does the money go? What, what are we spending the money on? You know, when we talk about crime and things of that nature within cities. I don't think more policing solves any of this. I think we have to be more equitable in terms of everything. Like if people are feeling the pinch to try to get through their day, then yeah, they'll make decisions that aren't pretty. Okay, and then that's going to escalate, you know, more police officers, blah, blah, blah. And this isn't anti-police. Same thing applies to, you know, I have a criticism of just the Ukraine conflict. Where we as a nation, I'm not opposed to helping Ukraine, but we as a nation just keep funneling more and more money. And what's the end goal? Certainly, from a public perspective, there doesn't seem to be a clear plan for victory. And we could look at many examples, but more recently like Afghanistan. I mean, that was a conflict that we thought we could win easily. And then we spent, you know, those decades there 
the cost of how much? And we, and we as a nation became numb to it, but it didn't stop the money from being fed to there and lives being lost. So I think we just, you know, it's like, as far as the, the Russian and the Ukrainian conflict, what's going to bring them to the table to negotiate peace? And I know that's not an easy question to answer, but I also don't think just funneling more supplies and more money is, I mean, it's so far not doing much. When you look at the territories that have been won back versus the ones that have been lost, like, you have to really zoom in to be like, okay, well, what was gained from all this? And by the way, of course, that's not the only conflict, right? Uh, there's, there's many, many conflicts happening throughout the world. Some you may know of, some you may not know of. You know, what's going on with the Armenians? That doesn't seem to get much coverage. Uh, you know, as we speak, the attack on Israel. And we'll see how that is handled. Because it seems like the start of a massive, massive conflict. And I remember when Ukraine started, people were like, okay, you know, how long do you anticipate this going? And people literally thought it'd be a matter of weeks. I'm like, are you insane? That's not how this works. Wars are at minimum a year. At minimum. Now, hopefully that's, this can be resolved in a different way and doesn't have to lead to actual war, but as of the time of this recording, that's where it's headed, it seems like. And it's also very interesting to just kind of look at, look at one's place as these things are happening. Because, you know, I remember with Ukraine... Now everyone's, I stand with Ukraine, you know, people changed their, their profile pictures, you know, they, they posted social media squares and blah, blah, blah. And now that's kind of died down, right? In the public, we don't, on a day-to-day basis, we don't really think about or talk about Ukraine. We become numb to it. We've moved on. Because, unfortunately, there's always something else to focus on. And our hearts are in the right place, or I'd like to believe. But it doesn't, it doesn't seem enough. Like, on the one hand, I understand the point of amplifying voices and the message, especially when it's not being covered by the media. But to say that, you know, you stand with Ukraine and that's it, as if that'll help, like, I don't, I don't know. I just don't know what that does for anybody. And I think it's just too convenient to post and kind of feel good and virtual signal, because then what? And especially when it comes to this, it's a very nuanced thing. And I like to believe that people can make this distinction between the Israeli people and the Israeli government no different than the people of Hamas versus like civilian Palestinians. And that all these ideas can coexist at the same time, even though, you know, uh, 
There's a lot of nuance to them, right? And contradictions to them. Because the same people in a lot of ways that have now are putting up like, I stand with Israel. Based on what I've seen of their past posts, when it was the opposite, they were anti-Israel. And so it's... Very... Uh, we call it when like when when a car crashes and your brain is rattling, right? It's like that feeling of like, wait, what? I thought you like so. What 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 do you ultimately believe? And because we just deduce these things down to a quick little slogan, uh, "Free Palestine," or "I stand with Israel," you don't really get much of. The nuance, and I also, I mean, if I'm being honest, I, I don't think people on the larger scale even know or care about that nuance. But it feels good to post and say I care. But then what? You know, the Democrats are actually kind of taking a lot of heat because of... You know, it's easy to talk about the border and immigration and have an open-door policy when it's not affecting you. But now as migrants are being kind of put towards, like, New York City and stuff like that, all of a sudden Mayor Adams is on a tour of, like, no, 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 hey, no, no, we don't need them, blah, blah, blah. And all of a sudden, even you know, President Biden, <laughs> build the wall. And everyone's, like, pointing to, see, Trump was all right all along. So... We have to get past the headlines and the seemingly differences to start coming up with solutions. And that's easier said than done. And as this, and I mean, as this election approaches, you know, my, my, my mind gravitates to this side of things, to, to think about it, of, of, you know, my place in the world, what I can do, and the elected officials, what, what they can do. And unfortunately, when I talk about the grim aspects of, of life, right? You know, I, I wanted to open up with the good, and now we're talking about the more grim or uh, certainly heavier topics. You know, I look at uh, the two governors, DeSantis and... Newsom, my governor in California, you know, they're, they're going to debate at the end of November. Well, why are they debating? For what reason do they need to debate? Who does it ultimately help? And there's going to be time and effort put into that. So that's time spent away from actual legislating and helping. Also, they, I know each of them will claim victory over the other to their circle in order to raise funds for themselves and their campaigns. Meanwhile, as I mentioned, no governing is being done. Nothing's being moved along. And regardless of what they talk about, like, they're just going to bring up comparisons. We're better at this than you, blah, 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 blah. Right? Florida's better. California's better. Yada, yada, yada. And how many quotes are there about comparison and to not do it for a whole slew of reasons? 
how it becomes a self-destructive act. <laughs> and it's the enemy of joy and all that stuff. And it applies here, because why, why have that point of comparison to begin with for any of this stuff? Because who cares what Florida may be better at than California? Like, it doesn't eliminate the problems in either of those states. So what are we doing about that shit? Right? So that's what I think about. <laughs> it's heavy stuff. That's why when I look at next year, every, every year I pick a word that I want it to embody what the, what the year will be about. And next year, I just want it to be fun, right? And I know it's a while away. I just, want to tr I just want to enjoy myself, travel more, have less responsibility. And I would love to travel to like New Zealand, uh, you know, my home country of Slovakia, the Czech Republic, Italy, Croatia, France, specifically places like Cannes and Marseille and to revisit Paris and Copenhagen. Maybe even Iceland, that would be nice. I've never been there. Uh, then to tour more of Colombia, like Medellin and Cartagena, to uh, Buenos Aires and Argentina, and then do like a Central America trip to Aruba and Costa Rica. That seems nice. And just as a fun weekend getaway or week getaway, Solvang, you know, one of my favorite places. Like, all that would be amazing stuff, right? Um, and with so much dark stuff, it's like, I, I like to think about that. Um, and I, you know, most likely, I, I don't know, like, I, I want to manifest that because, I want to manifest that for all of us because it's, we just need some joy in our life. Now, how that's going to happen, as the phrase goes on TikTok and so forth, in this economy... I don't know. I don't know. Like, the probability of any of that stuff happening, especially under the current, you know, I mean, when I look at the fact that this year, as I'm looking at it, I've never, I haven't worked harder. And the amount of money that I've made, like, seems non-existent. So how to make that happen? I don't know. But... I also feel like we just need to try to look forward to something because otherwise, what's the point? And so, yeah, I go through these waves, you know, the, this ups and down. Like, I love doing what I do. It doesn't mean it's, it's not hard and sometimes, damn, it can break your back just to think about the rest of it. And part of that, as I, as I talk about this, you know, I'm approaching my 35th birthday in pretty much a month. So I get kind of reflective and quiet. Not necessarily fun to be around around my birthday for those reasons. Like, you know, I, I try to look back at the past year and... Uh, more so as I age, you know, where I'm at in life, where am I going, and, you know, it's some heavy stuff, it's like, will I ever own a home, you know, right now I'm still single, like, it's, it's, it's a lot, you know, and, and, 
Yeah, it's a lot to think about, and it's not always easy. So, I don't have all the answers, but I do, if nothing else, I hope you know that, you know, each day is a new day. I try to see it as such, enjoy it as such, and do what I can to be a light at times a very dark world. And I hope I do that. So that's what I got. Not the most optimistic note to end on. But I hope at least a glimmer of hope is in there. You know, and I hope you're doing okay too. It's not always easy. It's sure fucking See you next time.